0: testing testing one two three ladies and gentlemen
1: <laughs>
0: one more time northern seminary griffith conference Room roman holesclaw keeps trying to build a build build us in what a new studio i Got say studio. stay here because the vibes are so rich they're so cool why do you keep wanting to move us
1: because i keep having to lug gear over here my computer and all the microphones here two microphones
0: and a computer ladies and gentlemen is that the very definition of laziness? I ask you.
1: <laughs> Just before I hit the record button, he was talking about how how uh, all those young guys like myself complain about everything.
0: Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I turned the big six zero uh, yesterday, and uh, it's stunning to me how a man 6 six zero can outproduce, outrun, out hustle three year olds. You,
1: you're talking metaphorically, right,
0: Lynn Loft? Uh, et Etc. etc. Oh, I'm sick. I'm not feeling well. I get this all the time. What's going on?
1: <laughs> What's going on with the younger generation? We're all just wimps who don't like to work, I guess. Here's Says one boomer to all the Gen Xers and millennials. Here's a tip. I'm going to give you a tip. Learn how to hockey. Learn how to ice skate. Learn how to ice skate. I can ice skate. Not not backwards. I'm not. Best
0: exercise ever created by humankind. Get those skates on. It exercises your whole body. Start taking some wrist shots. You too can be healthy like Fitch.
1: Okay. Um, Wow, that's like a a workout like program. Like enough of this recruiting for uh, Northern Seminary. I think you could have your own workout line. 60 but look at this body (laughs) look at this body whoever knew a missional theology could slam you into the boards with so much force from northern seminary in partnership with missio alliance this is theology on mission the podcast exploring god and integrating faith and life here are your hosts jeff Holsklaw and david fitch
0: I give Jesus all the praise and glory for whatever health I do have. Now, let's get to the subject matter. What is the subject matter for today?
1: What do you do when things aren't like you expect? Kind of like this podcast so far. What do you do when things happen that you're not expecting? You're kind of let down by them. This is kind of, uh, well, to keep it real simple, you know, I love my coffee. Love coffee. You love your coffee, although I don't know why you love the coffee you drink. But I like my coffee. And then, you know, have you ever put cream in your coffee? I put cream in my coffee every day. Okay, right. I put three creams And you don't even coffee. think about it. You just put cream in your coffee. I but have to, you ever... I
0: go up to McDonald's and I say, I'll take a large with three creams every day. And it's a beautiful thing.
1: But have you ever been like at a church, you know, a potluck or something like that? And you just like, you reach into the, the fridge and you grab the bottle that looks like cream. But then you and then you put it in your coffee and it's milk skim milk. No, no worse. It's like French vanilla flavor. Oh, cream. that stuff. See, right. This is like the worst. Okay. This like, is not the worst thing that could ever happen. <laughs> this metaphor is going nowhere. It is. It's going nowhere, right? <laughs> what get to the point? But, but what do you do when things don't work out the way you're planning? So think I have these three stories, three stories about baptism. One is a woman who came to faith when she was a little older, uh, And it was very meaningful for her, joined this community, and she was baptized. Another guy that I know was uh, entered into the community of faith, found salvation in Christ, uh, and was baptized, and his life was really changed for a little bit. And I I know uh, a a young man, a boy, he's 11, 12, you know, he had been coming along in youth group, was baptized, and uh, it was very meaningful for all three of them. But immediately after their baptisms, their lives started falling apart. And I started getting all these questions of like, well, why is all this bad stuff happening to me? Why is bad stuff happening to me? I just gave myself over to the Lord of the universe. I just gave myself my life over to the one who can protect me from sin, is supposed to deliver me from evil. And yet all this evil and sin is happening all around me. This is like such good Uh, universal
0: experience because it just happens almost every time we go through a significant transformation and conversion experience only to enter into difficulties, trials, testings, the pains and sufferings of this world. And we go, hey, this isn't what I signed up for. This, by the way, is is, uh,
1: a major issue in American Christianity across the board. Yes, indeed. So today we're going to be talking about death, baptisms why does bad things happen to people who just follow christ you know all the easy stuff but we wanted to look at it from both the mission side which is the the lived embodied existence of following christ and then also the the theology side so i want to start off with this uh because you talked about american christianity a part of american christianity is what's known as the four spiritual laws you know you've heard of that yes we all know the. well not everybody (laughs) what are all four i know the first one uh,
0: Yeah, but I am finding out that more and more people don't know what the four spiritual laws are. They don't,
1: but I think that they have created an entire culture or an understanding of salvation. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the bridge illustration. So now we're talking about the four spiritual laws. And the first one says, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Now, this this is good news in a sense, right? This is good Mm, news. You have a place in a family. It is true. You have a place in a family. You are loved. You have purpose for your life. You don't have to drift around out of control. This sounds awesome. God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And so, in one sense, I brought up baptism, and baptism is this initiation right into the family of God. Uh, and the way we practice it at Life on the Vine is, you know, we have the you know all the words that were spoken from God or spoken over. Um, all the words spoken over, uh, Christ by the father are spoken over those who are being baptized. Like you are my beloved child and you I'm well pleased. So it's all these words of affirmation and inclusion. And so God's love in a sense is being proclaimed over them for new life and forgiveness for peace and joy. And so there's this rite of baptism where you're incorporated into, uh, this new world. So, but then Why? With all this goodness and all this love and lovingness, why do things then start falling
0: apart? Well, you know, this just tells me why uh, uh, it just speaks to the, the cultural captivity of the four spiritual laws. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Uh, most of us, when we heard that uh, growing up, and I might say um, still hear it in certain parts of evangelicalism, think, oh, God loves me. Um, and they think about love in terms of oh, you're a good person. We I uh, affirm you and blah bo- blah. We're actually love means sentiments. Love, yeah. The sentiment of love. positive feelings. I feel good about myself. Well, actually, love in the Bible is a much more dynamic guidance, uh, shaping, powerful love, uh, more like a father to a son, who has to at sometimes tell the son hey, I think you're going off, has to discipline the son, has to guide the son. The sun. And it's, love is not all about, you're the greatest guy in the world, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And likewise, wonderful plan for your life. Wonderful does not mean everything is just going to come. The, the American dream is not going to be yours uh, and, and come about in perfect uh, synchronized harmony no it 's uh, a wonderful plan is something that god 's going to do in and through you for his kingdom in and through suffering pain and hardship as well as the glories and the ups and 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 the ups of life so I just think that uh, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life is true it just needs to be uh, the words need to be. Uh, contextualized out of American affluence and white prosperity.
1: So, wow, he just went to American affluence and white prosperity there. So so really there's often, there's a theology embedded under what it means for God to love you and what it might mean to have a wonderful life that may or may not be related to what God is actually doing in the world. And there's these promises and presuppositions about what a wonderful plan for your life might look like that are just really disconnected. But I think a lot of times, like you said, American Christianity doesn't work against those presuppositions. We often just reinforce them. Yes. Is that you have a personal sin problem. Your problem is sin. You have sins that need to be accounted for and um, appeased and, uh, or forgiven and things like that. And once that process has happened through your faith in Christ, now you're good. Things are fine, and then it becomes. A sh- this is often the message we get, and then it becomes a shock to us when we find out. No, there's still stuff going on in the world. There's just suffering, uh, so we feel like we've gotten uh, this proclamation over us about God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, and we find out that it still involves dealing with sin and evil and injustice in the world, or pain and suffering, and we're confused. So, what do we? What do we do? Yeah. I mean, just to reinforce, uh, at uh, our church, Peace
0: of Christ Community, we have been preaching post-Easter through the book of Revelation, and we've been using Michael Gorman's uh, reading Revelation responsibly. And uh, again, we see this picture uh, repeatedly, uh, and it's so uh, apropos to post-Easter life where we're seeing the uh, the risen Christ, the ascended Christ, sitting at the right hand of the Father as the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb to open the seals. And, and the seals of judgment and uh, unwinding of this pain and suffering of the world through its sin is a necessary part in the way God's going to work in through the world for his purposes, for his kingdom, for the making of all things right. But we have to go through it. And that's the picture that Revelation's picturing, for the church do not think it looks all is uh as it seems jesus is in control and he's working through all these sufferings and pains for your salvation for your renewal for for not only you personally but for the world's uh, reconciliation renewal of all things so um i just think yeah this message it is probably coming to the point where we need to disciple people differently into baptism what worked it's, I hate to say work, but what was the ways of 50 years ago uh, when I was a little child growing up getting baptized is not uh, uh, going to make it for a society where we're sending our children and our new Christians out into the world to be salt and light and witnesses to the gospel.
1: So the sending part is, I think, really important. Uh, are, we, are we declaring God's love as something that's for me, right? This is God loves you and has a plan for your life. It's very individualistic. Is God's love for us in a sense that we receive, or is it something that we're called into? And I think these, you know, these words are important. Is it for us or is it something we're called into? And I think God's love is really something God wants us to participate in. We participate in God's love. We don't just receive God's love. And when we participate in God's love, we, in a sense, are, are uh, sharing it in the world And what does that mean? In a sinful world full of violence that doesn't care about love, that cares about perpetuating its own system of violence, uh, loving people, truly loving people is going to be costly. It's going to end up generating the violent reaction that caused Jesus' death in the first place, right? And so are we calling people to feel loved by God or are we calling people to participate in the love of God? Is that a difference? Does that make sense to you?
0: I like that distinction. Uh, are we calling people to be loved by God? Well, certainly. But, certainly. But it, but the one entails the, the other. We are calling people to participate in God's love for the world, to be present in the sufferings, the hurt, the pain, the poverty, the struggles, the antagonisms, and to bring his presence there because God will not coerce his justice and reconciliation on the world, he will only invite, and he will only invite through his presence. And we a bring his presence with us uh, by opening space for him to be present, and we witness to his presence already there. And so, by being com- by being witnesses to his presence and being present in the suffering, we uh, bring God's salvation. We participate, I should say. We don't bring, but we participate in God's salvation happening in the world.
1: So certainly God's love is for us, but it's something we're called into. I was thinking about it. I say God's love isn't for our protection, but calls for our participation. The uh, Anabaptist Mennonites traditions, they talk about the three baptisms uh, that we go through. Do you know about the three baptisms? I do now. They're the baptism of water. And this is the initiation into the life of Christ, baptism, which we often think of. Then there's also the baptism by the Spirit, sometimes by the fire, as they say. And so this is a further filling of the Spirit, often for mission and being inflamed and gifted by God for mission. But they also speak of a third baptism. This is the baptism of blood. This is the baptism of martyrdom, of the witnessing with your entire life, the the fullness of your life, even unto death, the baptism of blood. And so when we are calling people into the life of Christ, are we just bringing them to the first baptism and declaring God loves you? Or are we bringing them into the second and third baptism, which is God's calling you to participate in his love for the world? And that might be costly, and things aren't always going to work out, and they're going to be really hard, and it's going to be a struggle. And so when things turn bad in your life, you're just a part of the battle. You're a part of the struggle, um, but God's love is still there. Is still witnessing to you. Do you know, uh, yeah. James? Oh, sorry. Go on. Well, I was just going to say uh,
0: you wrote a post on that uh, Missy Alliance. I don't know a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, it's still out there. Uh, yeah, I think. I think. I think this draws from First John chapter five, uh, verse eight. And uh, isn't it interesting? Okay, so the Anabaptist tradition. Uh, the free church tradition kind of focused, ended up focusing on the first one, confession of water. This was a confession of obedience. Uh, And often um, so, a baptism became an issue of I confess Christ before uh, my fellow brothers and sisters. Uh, The Pentecostal traditions and um, our own tradition, Christian Missionary Alliance, separate that into a second filling of the Holy Spirit. The the fire uh, is what Uh, the baptism of fire. Um, uh, But ironically, I think traditional baptism has anointed the baptism with oil as a Mm -hmm. sign of the Spirit. And then this this idea of uh, blood, of my whole life uh, being submitted to uh, the sufferings of the world uh, for Christ to witness to his reality and bring in his kingdom, that almost has been completely, well, it's been lost uh, in the way we're talking about it. And again, the question is, do we not need all three and do we not need to renew baptism in this sense for, for uh, a world that now has become much more hostile to our Christian faith? Don't we need to disciple people into baptism totally differently than the, the ways we did 50 years ago?
1: Right. Um, James Chung, has he's an evangelist with InterVarsity. He wrote a book, not just a book, it's called True Story. It's really this way of presenting the gospel. And he has moved away from the four spiritual law kind of understanding, which is God loves you and has a plan for your life, to this question of uh, what is God doing to uh, root out evil in the world? He says you can often find common ground with people quicker by saying, well, there seems to be this thing in the world that's bringing everyone down, and everyone can kind of affirm yeah, and then he moves to well what are we going to do about it what would what do we think should happen in the world to solve that problem you know people have all those different you know ideas of how they should participate and then he then he moves to uh, sin in ourselves which keeps us from participating and so really he begins with a, a vision of the redemption of the world and then calls people into participating in that that vision through Christ yes and I think that that is I think that's something we could really learn from is are we calling people into a glorious purpose not just for your life but for the whole world um, and as and that being an exercise of God's love well I, I don't want to uh, finish this uh, podcast without giving credit where credit's due really the whole idea of of uh, talking about this uh, first spiritual law, God loves you and has a wonderful planet for your life, came from a picture I saw on Don Banks' Facebook wall, which was uh, this group of people in a Roman Colosseum with this lion coming out of a pit, you know, getting ready to eat them. It was a picture of the martyrdom of the yeah. early church. And someone had written on the bottom, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And so it was this, this juxtaposition of this kind of very positive and what could be a prosperity gospel kind of statement with martyrdom of the early church, which is, I think, what we, well, sh- what we should be thinking. <laughs> this is yeah. the gospel call for our lives. That's
0: what we're actually aiming for. <laughs>
1: and so... uh Well, we'll make sure to get that uh, picture up on the show notes wherever you might find them, whether it's uh, Missy Alliance or on the Northern Seminary blog, so you can check them out there. Do you have a book that you're reading, Dave? Well, I think
0: I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Alan Kreider's book, uh, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, except I hadn't started reading it yet. And this was, I don't know, two or three. Wait,
1: you always bust me for talking about books you haven't even read. Well,
0: I did like three weeks ago. So I just returned the favor. So all I can tell you is I've read quite a bit of it, and it's just—it's just actually a great uh, historical recounting of all the details of what we're talking about right now, how the early church patiently lived the the life of the kingdom in Christ before a watching world, and many times it was a suffering. It was. It was. Um, they were being put upon and ridiculed and even put in, in these uh, coliseums to suffer death. But the way they died and the way they lived transformed the world. So read it
1: and let's do it. The Patient Ferments. All right. Well, I've just uh, I've been reading through and just uh, beginning a book called The Pursuing God. You'd be very happy to know that he mentions The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer at the very beginning of this book, but it's called The Pursuing God. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the bridge illustration and how often uh, salvation is thought to be uh, us trying to get to God, but we reversed the bridge illustration by saying, well, God is actually coming to us in various ways through Christ. And who who wrote this book? And so, uh, Because of that podcast, I got to know this guy named Joshua Ryan Butler, and I was able to start reading his book. We're hoping to have him on the the show in a couple weeks. Uh, It's called The Pursuing God, where he goes through the incarnation, the crucifixion, and the resurrection, and talks about how the movement of all these stories is us, is God finding a way to come to us. Um, God not being afraid of us or not being scared of us, but actually coming and living and dwelling in and among us. And so it's not that we need to be pursuing God, but it's rather that God is pursuing us. And you know, we need to be responding to it. And we respond, exactly. We, re- we respond to God's pursuit of us rather than God responding to our pursuit of Him. Uh, so it's been a very interesting book. I've been uh, reading the first couple chapters, uh, so I'll keep you posted when I read the whole thing. Okay, Dave Fitch?
0: Yeah, could, we, who, who, could I just hear one report of a book that you've,
1: you've read entirely? Well, I got this one called uh, "On the Incarnation" oh, oh. by Athanasius. And you talked about that book five <laughs> times already on this podcast. Well, I didn't bring up the quote today, so. Uh, but anyways, I got it laying here. You're a busy professor and a pastor. Will uh, and understand. I haven't been reading as much as I'd like. I've been trying to write more, so that's what I need to be doing is writing uh, more. So hey, um, no, I'm never going to let you off the off off, off the whatever the hook thank you yeah i, I kind of blanked out there i'm not i'm not letting you off the hook this is this is where we hold dave fitch accountable for the the things he says fitch versus fitch and really this is just a great Can i just say one thing just, before you do
0: this yeah. my facebook is getting full and i gotta you know I'm, I'm gonna be cleaning out some people who haven't been around or aren't really part of my facebook friendship so i'm gonna be making space for more friends but But if you try, I've had a lot of requests for friends on there. And can you just follow me unless you really want to engage me in some way and then just send me a note and I'll get you on.
1: Go ahead. All right. So this is just a really good quote that I wanted uh, your thought about. Christian faith has never been based on historical reconstructions of Jesus, but on the present power of the living Christ. That's a quote by Luke Timothy Johnson.
0: Yeah. Isn't it great? Uh,
1: what does that mean? Not well, it, based on the historical reconstruction, blah 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 blah.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it's pretty simple. It, it just means that all the efforts to locate the historical Jesus through uh, historical critical his, you know work, uh, and and to verify that all this happened and so forth, um, that that's really not uh, what the church is built on. The church is built on the risen Christ, his presence among us, as we gather around the table, and as he is present in. In our lives, and and it's real, and it's huge, and it's visceral, and we, I, and so I feel like you know certain parts of evangelicalism, some of the church I grew up with, it was just very important to historically prove that Jesus and all the words about him and everything he said is important, and that's what our lives are built on. Well, let's not let's not uh, deny that Jesus is both historical and that the texts are true, and they're they're. Um, they're uh, worthy of our uh, trust, but that's not what the faith is built on. Those texts were given to us through the church by the by the extending reality of Jesus in his church in his historical presence. So so let's put the emphasis where it belongs: the real presence of Christ among us, the historical risen uh, excuse me the risen presence of Christ in his rule at the right hand over our
1: lives and in the world, and let's let the text play that role within that context. So we believe in Christ because we've experienced his power, not because someone told us that all these documents are probably true. We've
0: experienced his power through the ongoing witness of the church, through the practices of the church, one of which is Eucharist, another which is proclaiming the gospel. But these texts are part of that whole life. They don't undergird and single-handedly are the foundation that if we find one little mistake, it's all over.
1: Amen. So that puts the, the mission into the theology instead of just... Theology of the Mission. I don't know what I'm saying here. Anyways, this is the Theology of Mission podcast. We're wrapping up from Northern Seminary. From the Griffith Conference Room in Northern Seminary on a beautiful day in
0: in April, signing over and out Dave Fitch And Jeff Holzclaw.
1: Over and out. Okay, you blew it. Over and out. Okay.